If you want to open your Bibles along with me, we are in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I'll be finishing that chapter up, and uh, we'll be beginning with verse 10. Deuteronomy 6, beginning with verse 10. Let's pray first. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name because there truly is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. And Father, how we long for those around us, those that we love, those that we know that don't know you, that this might be the very day of their salvation. I pray that we would be your instruments everywhere we go, that people would see Christ in us, that we would not be selfish by just holding our faith to ourselves, but we would have just an, a generosity in being willing to share our faith every opportunity that we have. Lord, we know that your day, the day of the Lord, is drawing close, and I pray, Father, that not only would we be prepared but that you would use us that others might be prepared as well. And now as we break open your word this morning, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would anoint and use me to minister to these, your people, in such a way that what we share would encourage them in their faith and in their walk. And Father, we truly love you, and we long for that day when this separation, uh, we know that we're with you in spirit constantly, but one day we're going to be with you having new glorified bodies, and we long for that day. We pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would just come and be among us this morning to, to just really shake us and, and wake us up and help us to be everything that you desire us to be in serving you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, when you study the Word of God, of course, one of the things that's so important for us to realize is that everything that we read is completely 100% true. 100% true. None of it is just make-believe or something that just came up with here or something that just came up with there. It's all true. It's the Word of God to man. And think about this. If God were not real, if there were no God, number one, where did we come from? And number two, what would our purpose be in trying to live benevolent, uh, altruistic lives, loving others? What would be the purpose in trying to do what's right? There'd be no purpose. If there were no God, then we might as well, you know, go out and grab all the gusto we can, as it says in those, uh, you know, old commercials. But the fact is that we don't have that desire but to serve the Lord. And so my encouragement is to every one of us as we're covering this portion of Scripture to realize there is a God in heaven, and he has put his Holy Spirit within us, which gives us that motivation and desire to do what's right and to bring others into the kingdom of God. Because Scripture tells us that he has written eternity in the hearts of every man. Did you know that? Everyone knows innately within themselves there is something beyond this life. There is something beyond this life. And if it were not so, then why even try? You know what I'm saying? To do things that are right. Why not just do what is best for me? What's going to bring me the best? But because we have this innate understanding, this reality that there is something after this life, <clears throat> excuse me, and we know it's Jesus Christ, then we have a desire to know his word that we might be able to serve him in spirit and also serve him in truth. 
You know, in, in Romans chapter 1, in verses 24 and 25, it says this, Therefore God, has, uh, God also gave them up to uncleanness. Talking about those people who just reject him, have nothing to do with him, they want to just live their own life. He gives them up to uncleanness. Uh, in the lust of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And so that's what's, what happens if we don't have that desire to serve God, if we don't realize that there is a reward for those that diligently seek him, if we don't know that, then you, you follow what I'm saying? Why in the world would we even attempt to seek after the things of God? And this is why we see in this world, because so many people have rejected God, we see the uncleanness that we do in this world. I mean, we look all around us and we recognize that this world has been, in so many ways, given over to the lusts of the flesh in every way. But we have God. In Deuteronomy 6, starting with verse 10, it says this, So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build. Now pay attention. Which you did not build. Houses full of good things which you did not fill. Uh, hewn out wells which you did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you, for the Lord your God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. Tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. That's what I was trying to say there. I read it twice. Sorry. And you shall uh, diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, his testimonies and his statutes, which he has uh, commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you, and that you may go in and possess the good land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to cast out all your enemies from before you as the Lord has spoken. When your son asks you in times to come, in time to come, saying, What is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord our, our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all his household. Then he brought us out from there that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our God always, that he might uh, that he might preserve us alive as it is to this day. Then it will be righteousness for us 
if we are careful to observe all these commandments which the Lord our God, at, at, uh, before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Okay. Sorry. My glasses are all messed up. Okay, in verses 10 through 11, it talks about the Lord giving us what we don't deserve, right? What we didn't earn. I mean, they went into the land and they didn't build the cities. They didn't, you know, fill the houses. They didn't dig the wells. But the Lord gave them everything that they didn't do. He provided it all. And yet he doesn't give us what we do deserve. Because you know what we deserve? Hell. That's what we deserve. We deserve God's judgment because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But he gives us something we don't deserve, and that is salvation, eternal life in him. Anyone, and you know who's included in anyone? Anyone. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And none of us deserve it. None of us have earned it. But all we have to do is to make that profession, and we have it. In James chapter 1 and verse 17, it says, every good, listen to this, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation of shadow or turning. So every good gift really comes from God. Everything that this world has for us is temporary, right? Get a new car and what does it do? It wears out put mileage on it, wears out. Everything in this world is temporary. But every good gift, every gift that has any meaning comes from the Father, from the eternal light from above. Listen to James, I mean, I'm sorry, Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So you want to have the desires of your heart? Delight yourself in the Lord. You know, people want this, they want that. But the greatest thing we can do is delight ourselves in the Lord. And then the things of this world grow strangely dim, as the old hymn says. Because I don't know about you, but the things of this world can be very discouraging, right? The things of, the, the things of this world don't necessarily turn out the way we would like them to turn out. But the fact is, we have the Lord. And if we have the Lord, we have everything. If you don't have the Lord, you don't have anything. I don't care what kind of material possessions you might have. If you don't have the Lord, if you're not born again, you have nothing. Because here's the reality, that one day our mortal life ends, either in death or by the Lord coming for the rapture. In 1 Corinthians 15, we know all about that. This mortal puts on immortality, and this corruptible puts on the incorruptible. And, and, and we're going to be taken to be with the Lord. And so we have to understand where our focus is. Our focus has to be on our destination. You know, it's kind of like when you're taking a long trip. You know, um, we go to North Carolina for vacation every year. It's a long trip, right? And if I'm just thinking about the states I'm going through, if I'm just thinking about the trip and how far I have to go, it would become unbearable. But I'm thinking of my destination. And the same thing is true in this life. In this life, we have a lot of difficulties. In this life, there are a lot of upheavals that come our way. You know, and, and, and it, the trip seems really long, doesn't it? But the reality is 
that we have something beyond this life. We have a destination that is for all, Scripture tells us, who call upon the name of the Lord. And do you know why it's called heaven? Because it's heaven. What does heaven mean? Heaven means a place of peace, of absolute peace and absolute rest. And I think that's what all of our hearts are longing for. You know, we can get so caught up in this world, what's going on here and what's going on there, but all of our hearts are looking for peace and rest. And brothers and sisters, the only place it'll be found is in the Lord. That's what I love what Job wrote in chapter 1, <clears throat> verses 20 and 21. <clears throat> Job is the oldest book of the Bible, we believe. And Job is an interesting character because, you know, we even have a euphemism that we often use. We talk about the patience of Job. What do we mean by that? Job had so many things that went wrong, that went against him, and he always kept his focus on the Lord. And listen to what we read in Job chapter 1 and verses 20 through 21. Then Job arose, tore his robes, shaved his head, and fell to the ground, and he worshiped. Now, he just had the worst news in the world, you know, about his family being wiped out. And, 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 and his crops and all of his possessions being stolen. And it says that he fell to the ground and he worshipped. To me, that's pretty awesome. And he said, listen to this, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How wonderful to have that attitude. The Lord gives sometimes. We have all these great and wonderful things. And sometimes the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Whether we have plenty or whether we have want, blessed be the name of the Lord. I mean, if we have, if we have the Lord, understand we have everything. Because this life is very short. It really is. If we live to be 100, like my mother-in-law, life is still short compared to eternity. But the reality is, that when we go to be with the Lord, we're going to be with him for all eternity, forever and ever. Our time with him will never end. And all the discouragements and problems of this life will be no more. There'll be no more. And that's an awesome promise. And then again in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, in other words, this is, this is what we deserve, okay? This is what we deserve. The wage of sin is death. Separation from God. It's death. And, uh, and of course, that's what each one of us has earned, right? The wages of sin. We've earned that. Listen, but the gift of God, and the thing about a gift is, it's free. You don't have to pay for a gift or it's not a gift. You don't have to earn a gift or it's not a gift. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you didn't earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. And people make a big mistake when they think, well, if I live this way or live that way, or if I do this or I do that, then I deserve, then I will be with the Lord. You're missing the point. We are sinners by birth. We are born with a sin nature. You know, like people say, and I love babies. I love babies. I love grandbabies especially. But anyway, I love, now I have to be waiting for great-grandbabies. But anyway, I love babies. But babies, you know, 
you know what a baby's first word is? Me. Me. When babies are crying, that's what they're actually saying is me, me. You know why? I want to be fed. I want to be changed. I want to be held. I want to be comforted. And that's wonderful because it's an illustration of how our relationship with the Lord is. God, God, me, me, I need you. I need you. I need to be comforted. I need to be fed. I need to be kept warm. I, I need my sins forgiven. And so the same relationship that a baby has with its parents an absolute dependency. That's the relationship we have with the Lord. We have absolute dependency on Him. Now, now we have to be very careful because it seems, and this portion of Scripture brought it out, when things go really well, when things are going great, oftentimes that's when we start forgetting about the Lord. Not necessarily that we forget our salvation or we forget who God is, but we don't have that understanding of our need for him. But when times are difficult, oh, Jesus, you know, say, oh, help me, Lord. But the reality is, even when things are going great, we should be saying, oh, help me, Lord. Thank you for all I have. Help me to just walk with you, to love you, and to serve you. In fact, we're going to read a portion from Proverbs. David brought this very point out. In Proverbs chapter 30, and verses 8 and 9, it says this. David said, Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted me. Why? Lest I be full and deny you. And say, Who is the Lord? The point David is bringing out is that so often when we have everything, we have no problems, we have everything, it's so easy to just get consumed with life. But when we have need, we get consumed with the Lord. It's so interesting that in many of the third world countries, evangelism and people coming to Christ is at a much higher rate than in the Western world because we have so much. I mean, there are people that walk miles to sit on mud benches and posts and stumps to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there are people that are giving their lives because of their love for the Lord. Read Fox's Book of Martyrs and also The Voice of the Martyrs. It's a, a magazine that comes out you know, monthly or, or maybe every quarter, I'm not sure. And, and see what others are going through in different countries, and yet their faithfulness to the Lord is so absolutely committed. Where you and I are kind of like, oh, you know, life is good, and, and this and that. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this. I mean, it's probably just me. But how easy it is to complain, you know? Oh, I wish I had this. I wish I had. Why is this happening? Why is that happening? You know, why is this going on? Why is that going on? Well, the thing is, when we complain, it does nothing except feed the human part of us that we want to let go of. The thing we want to do is just praise God and thank him for every single thing we have for our next breath we need to thank him for. In Luke, in fact, I want you to turn to that, Luke chapter 12. And once again, in this portion, he's talking about 
fear of the Lord, which is a godly respect. It's not fearful like a, you know, a giant monster is coming after you. It's a godly respect. But turn to Luke 12 and go to verse 4. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do to you. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him whom after he has killed has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. So we have to understand that all judgment lies in the hands of the Lord. And the Lord gives us the free gift of salvation by simply calling upon his name. And we are assured of our... See, everyone's going to be judged. We know from the end of Revelation it says, for all shall stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. Those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, those who are born again, are going to be with the Lord in all of his glory, in all of his grandeur forever and ever. But those whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life are going to be thrown into the lake of fire. And so we have to understand the most important thing in this life is our relationship with the Lord, is that commitment we make to be born again. And there might be some of you here today who've never been born again, and you're thinking, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to be born again? And like Nicodemus said, do I need to crawl a second time into my mother's womb and be born again? And, and Jesus said, Nicodemus, how can you be a teacher of Israel and you don't understand? He said, what's born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So when it talks about being born again, we're born again of the Spirit. We're not physically born again, but born again of the Spirit. Because no longer is our spirit longing after the things of this world. Now our spirit is longing for fellowship with God Almighty. Because we have to realize that the greatest worship that we have with the Lord is fellowship with him. Koinonia. When you come into just that intimate time with him, Lord, I just want to be with you. And I think all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we realize that probably that's something that we neglect all too often. You know, we read our Bibles, we come to church, and which we should. I mean, those are commanded in the Word of God. But the reality, reality is, do we have time to have fellowship with Him? Setting all things aside and just fellowshipping with Him. Because here's what we have to understand. This life is not perfect. You know what I'm saying? In this life you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So, but in this world we have tribulation. In this life we have tribulation. And this is why our focus needs to be on the Lord. Because if it's not, we're going to get so discouraged. Now, for instance, uh, if we do what is right in His sight, in other words, we're obedient for the sake of fellowship, of relationship with him, then the Lord is going to bring us a peace that surpasses all the understanding that this world can give us. Do you know what I mean? I mean, all I want is peace. Well, you're only going to have peace in the Lord. Because I don't know if you've ever realized this, but things don't always go the way we think they should, like elections. No, I'm serious. I'm not trying to be funny. Things don't always go the way we think they should. And so when you put your hope and focus in this life, you're going to be disappointed a lot. 
But what we have to do is put our hope and focus in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because here's one of the things that I know absolutely for sure right now. Jesus Christ is still on the throne. And no one's going to take him off the throne. No one's going to get him off the throne. He is still on the throne. And we have to realize, too, that our relationship with the Lord is not something that we earn or something we conjure up. It's a natural outflow of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. See, if you're born again, the Holy Spirit dwells within your heart. And, and you know, you've heard me say this so many, so many times. The Greek word for heart is cardiac. It's where we get cardiac from. But cardiac, which is the inner man. And so when your inner man is filled with, with, with God, is filled with the Spirit of the Lord, then the outflow of that is just relationship with him no matter what's going on around us. Because like I said, the verse I mentioned earlier, in this life you shall have tribulation. In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Now, this is why it is so critical for you and I to be following the Lord and not be following a pastor or even following some kind of church doctrine. We need to be following the Lord. Because if you're following a man or you're following a doctrine, someone can convince you to follow another man or to go after another doctrine. But the reality is we're following the Lord. And that's why I see my responsibility as a pastor is not to tell you what to do and tell you not what to do and, and to live this way or not live that way. My responsibility is simply to teach the Word of God. And that's why in, in our fellowship, we do what's called systematic expositional preaching. And all that means is we teach from Genesis to Revelation, every single word. Because you want to know something? You don't, want to, you don't care what I say or what I think. You want to know what the Word of God is saying. You want to know what the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. And so my responsibility, Pastor Frank Jr.'s responsibility, is to simply take the Word of God, to lay it out before you in an understandable way that you can allow the Holy Spirit to apply it to your life, that you might worship Him in spirit and worship Him in truth. And why? Because the Lord our God is a jealous God. He doesn't want us going after other gods. He doesn't want us to go after other doctrines. See, the reality is, and it's amazing, because as I was mentioning earlier, everybody has the understanding of eternity in their heart. I think everyone does. I think everyone has some kind of an understanding that when we die, that doesn't end things. But the reality is, people are always trying to justify themselves. And that's the reason, if they're unwilling to follow the one true God, which is the only thing that makes logical sense, they'll make up their own gods, or they'll make up themselves to be gods. And, and they try to make excuses for where we even came from, because if you accept that God is a creator, then you have to accept all of his word. Well, we're, we're, we are really an alien deposit. God didn't create us. We're an alien deposit. There really are ETs out there. Do you know that? I mean, you can, you can see all kinds of evidence of ETs. Well, there are actually uh, demonic entities out there, but there's not ETs out there. Because 
if there were ETs out there, if there were life on another planet, then Jesus Christ would have had to have gone to that planet and died for their sins as well. But it says he died for sin once and for all. And so we know Jesus Christ. This is the, there's a, a video, if you get a chance, you can go on YouTube or, or whatever and find it, and it's called The Privileged Planet. And it's by a world-famous astronomer. The Privileged Planet. And it really shows that our planet alone among all the planets, you know, in our solar system, we're privileged because God has chosen this planet, this earth, this world in order to give life. Now, he created it all, but he had one spot, planet earth. And the reality is that people don't even use logic because if there were ETs, that came from other planets and left deposits here that we developed into what we became, where'd they come from? But the reality is there are no ETs. There are demons that pose as ETs. There are demons that pose as many things in order to discourage us and dissuade us from following the Lord. But Jesus Christ alone is the creator of life. You think about the triune nature of God. In, in creation, right? In giving us his word, in, in, in salvation, it's all the word of God. Now, how is it that we can tempt the Lord our God? Because we're not supposed to tempt him. How, how can we tempt him? By doubting who he is and the things that he, he has done, doubting him, doubting his kindness and love that is for everyone and for anyone who calls on his name, and doubting his concern for the individual. Did you know that the Lord cares about each one of you personally, individually? Now, if we know God, if we really know God in our heart, and we're willing to allow him to fill us and to direct us, then our lives should be a testimony of who Jesus Christ is. Because if we really love the Lord, and we are filled with his spirit, and our lives are a testimony of who Jesus is, it's, a natural, it's natural that it just leads to evangelism. Sharing our faith with others. You know, we need to make the most of every opportunity. Here's the thing that's interesting. If you really pray and say, Lord, everywhere I go, use me as your instrument. Use me to share my faith. He will. Have you ever prayed that prayer and then realized how many times you had opportunity to share your faith? It's absolutely amazing. Then it also talks about the responsibility that we have to our children. And we have to be willing to teach our children, to teach our grandchildren the ways of God, not just in words, but by action, by how we live and how we love the Lord. And when we worship God, it's amazing what our children think, see. But the reality is, do we really take focus of our life our children are watching us, and children around us are watching us. And so we need to make sure that we are a witness, not only verbally in what we say to others, but in how we live our lives. Because one of the things that we realize as we get older, and I'm at a place now where I, I, I never thought I'd be. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, 70, I'm 75 years old. I never thought I'd be 75. I never thought I'd be 65. 
I used to tell Vi if I made it to 50, I'd be amazed. So here I am, 75 years old. So either in death or the rapture, I'm close to seeing the Lord. But what a beautiful thing it is to have that encouragement that when I close my eyes in death, I will open my eyes in life, being with the Lord. And if I'm alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, I'll be caught up to meet him in the air. And um, the Lord shows us all kinds of signs and wonders all around us that we might know and see who he is. And um, the thing we have to realize that God gives us these signs and he gives us these wonders to observe to encourage us. It's never to discourage us. It's never to turn our heads away from the Lord, but to encourage us to draw closer to him. Because we love the Lord to the extent that we love the truth and that we love others. You know, do we love the truth? The truth of God's word? Do we love it? Do we love the word? Do we love others? The reality is, sometimes we're so judgmental of other people, it's hard to give testimony that we love them. Well, there are this, that, well, this, that. Well, how can we have those kinds of attitudes and say that we love them? And how can we have any idea at all that we're going to be a witness to them and be able to share our faith if we don't have this kind of love? You follow what I'm saying? So we need to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and all of our strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you so much for your word and for your truth and that you would use it to minister to us and to encourage us in all of your ways. We give you thanks, Father, for this time together, and pray that your word would really speak to our hearts and encourage our souls. I ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, my friends.